Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. Uh, we've been publishing since the beginning of the e-reader revolution, and we're here to share our own insights while also interviewing industry experts and other successful authors. Our goal is to provide, to provide as much advanced writing, publishing, and marketing material as we can and to help you figure out what's working right now so that I feel like there's supposed to be something right there. <laughs> Sorry, Lindsay. We're still working on our introduction. If you listen in like uh, 10 more episodes, it'll just be like, hey, this is the show. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Lindsay Baroker. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about um, Nink again. There are a couple of presentations that Joe and Lindsay both attended that we felt deserved a separate episode and those will be discussed as we get into it, but they're basically Mark Dawson and Alex Newton and David Gogren and Dave Chesson. Was Dave Chesson one of them? We did Dave last week. Oh, did so we? I think, okay. Yeah. It'll be like, this is good though. We have lots of good stuff in here guys. So. Oh my gosh. Book, yes, book, book so ads, Amazon, sell your series. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so none of us really have any updates from last week, so why don't we just go ahead and start, if that's all right with the two of you. Okay, so um, the first presentation we're going to talk about is Mark Dawson's his The Reader Funnel and the Best of the Best in 2019 Book Advertising. And I'm going to be asking the question since I was not there, and Lindsay and Joe will be answering. So my first question is, Mark started, started off his presentation with the question, Why Advertise? Um, what were his reasonings there? I've actually kind of forgotten what he exactly said, so I'm going to answer what I think he would have said. But uh, we have more specific notes going on. But just um, it's kind of hard right now if you're not advertising, as uh, you may have found out there. It's pretty competitive now, a lot of books out there in, in most genres. So it's sort of like it's a way to consistently get sales without relying or hoping that you know the launch is going to be awesome or the amazon magical algorithms will uh, pick up my book and start selling it organically if you get to the point where you know you know about how many books you can sell when you spend this much money you know it's, it's kind of a reliable way to keep the income up there and um did you go ahead and did you want to ask about read through or, or answer this one first yeah, we can. Yeah, I, I, I skipped ahead with mine. That. <laughs> That's totally fine. So yeah, he also talked about read through as one of the reasons to advertise. Um, what was he talking about there? So people have probably heard this before, but if you've got a series published out there, you want to know how many people like if you buy if you sell a 1000 copies of book one, you want to know on average, how many people are going to go on to buy book two, book three, book four and throughout the series. And this is good because it you know, you take those sales and, you know, figure out how much it's worth for you, basically. How much is a new reader worth to you and how much they're going to spend? You know, obviously not everybody is going to fall in love with your series, but you can kind of figure out if uh, one in three people or one in two people who get book one go on and buy the whole series and, and it's worth like maybe $30 in your pocket, then you can know how much you can spend on book one without losing money. Because uh, a lot of people will like sell book one at 99 cents or even maybe 3.99, and they're like, "Man, I gotta it take cost seven dollars in clicks for me to get one sale," and they think they're losing and they stop the ad. But like I said, if if you have eight or ten books or more, uh, potentially you can spend that seven dollars or even more on the sale of book one. A certain number of people will go on and buy the rest. 
And Joe, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, like, especially with like, like, when you take read through into account, sometimes you can justify some very high advertising spends and still make money. But there's even something to be said, like other people uh, in other, in other uh, panels use phrases like escape velocity, where you need to be sort of above a certain level of sales before Amazon's algorithms start really recommending you. So there are even some benefits in doing break even or loss leader uh, uh, advertising. If you can get up above that level where, where, where Amazon starts serving you to people who actually care about you. It's funny because a similar thing happens with advertising itself on Facebook. So like advertising is super important just to sort of keep you above the baseline of zero sales so that your books are visible to the people who would have bought them if they had, you know, who, who, so that people will buy them just by seeing them as opposed to like, even if they didn't see the advertising, the advertising will get it in front of them anyway. So advertising is one of these things where uh, it's become an essential part of, of the book landscape. Yeah, those of us who didn't have to advertise in the beginning, <laughs> we lament it. <laughs> actually, advertising is actually, it's good because even if you um, have really good sales, it just adds to, you know, just makes things go even better. Uh, so it's one of those things we want to learn. Um, okay, so one of you, um, go ahead. I think, Joe, you wanted to answer this one. Explain how Mark uses the concept of a funnel as a marketing technique. So readers, genre, clicks, et cetera. How does that help with this marketing? And then um, I'll add, ask the rest of that question. How Also include how he targets readers at each level of the funnel. So cold, warm, et cetera. Uh, okay, yeah. So this is like his, the, the funnel thing is sort of like the general metaphor for, for his, the way he runs advertising. The, there's three levels to the funnel. There's cold, uh, warm, and hot. And uh, at the cold level, you've got tons of readers who don't know who you are. And your, your goals for each level are different. So at the cold level, you're just trying to get them to be aware of you. Uh, these are people who have never clicked on an ad of yours, who well, certainly have never read any of your books. So at that stage, you're just trying to become visible to them. And you aren't even necessarily going to, be, uh, going to be trying to get sales from them. You might just be trying to get your book in front of them so they know who you are. After they've seen you a few times, they might actually click on one. So like... That's the top level. And once you start doing a very broad, sometimes at this level, you're usually just targeting like genre. Again, because they don't know who you are. You're sort of trying to get them to be aware of you. So your targeting can't be based upon people who like your stuff. It has to be based upon people who like the kind of things that you write. So you're very general at the cold level. As soon as somebody clicks on, on the cold, uh, like somebody clicks on you, they go from cold to warm. And now warm are people who've shown interest in you in the past and haven't bought anything yet. So, uh, you know, they drop down to that level. These are the readers who, are, who, who now know who you are and they've been interested enough to, to look into uh, what your books are. So now you start doing a little bit more sales. Like now you're being more specific to you. This is, you know, this is where you start talking about where your deals are and stuff like that. And this is the audience that you start paying attention to the sort of interests they have. There's a lot of, a, a lot of Mark Dawson stuff talks about uh, retargeting and, and getting information on a successful audience so that you can hone in on them and turn them into readers. And as soon as anybody buys one of your books, and they can buy straight from the top, they can buy from the cold, they go into hot. And now once they're in hot, these are your fans. And now you start advertising to them almost 100% with sales. These are, these are the people who find out about all your new releases. These are the people who are hearing about stuff that isn't even being a uh, 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 price promo. Uh, so like that's the general overall view is to, is to take people who don't know who you are, make them aware of you and then make them fans of you. Yeah, that helps a lot with downloads. I mean, I love that he actually acknowledges the fact that sometimes people will be a cold reader, but they will download, but the chances are a lot lower and you know, 
that's also where an automation sequence comes into play because you get free downloads in exchange for a sign up and they're cold even though they've signed up but your automation sequence helps warm them up um, Lindsay what stood out to you most about this presentation so I took a few notes of, of things that were important to me and I should point out I don't know if we mentioned that he's using Facebook specifically for um, targeting and retargeting people that would be pretty hard with that like amazon ads where you're just trying to get the sale when they see your book but he was it, you know it's a lot more than i've done on facebook you know but like using the pixel on your website and things so you can tell when someone has interacted with you even if they're not a buyer yet so and we'll definitely see if we can get mark on the show at some point and and there's other people out there too doing a lot with facebook ads so to uh, give you guys a little more in depth about some of those strategies that are uh, still working for people in, in 2019 so I, I wrote down about maybe let's see four or five. All right, I'm going to talk for a little bit because I, <laughs> I have a lot of notes on what I took away um, from his talks. Just um, one thing was that a lot of people saw dips last year, like in November November 2018, in like their Amazon earnings. And again, some people saw it in the spring. And if you were paying attention back then, you may remember there was a while where Amazon took away the also bots. And they've since come back then, they were probably experimenting. But, um, you know, Mark was saying just that it's a possibility that they will disappear again. And that is where a lot of organic sales come from. So, but that's also valuable real estate to Amazon. So it would make sense that they would rather just replace it with another carousel of ads. Why wouldn't they make money? Um, with the also bots, all they're potentially making money on is the sale of the book. And I have to say, as a reader, I love those also bots. How do you guys... Isn't it valuable? I don't know. I found a lot of books that way. Yeah, yeah. no, I use them quite a bit, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they're uh, especially oddly enough, especially for like nonfiction stuff. Like when I'm when I'm trying to find sort of other resources to the stuff that I've been researching, that also books are invaluable. They tend to be a lot more relevant than just the ads, which may be like focused on a genre. You know, I know when I'm looking at some space opera, I might see dystopian and who knows what is going to slip in there. But the also bots, it's sort of like, well, this author is probably pretty similar to this other author. So I, I hope they stay, but I, I see Mark's point in that potentially Amazon might throw something that's more of a moneymaker in there. Um, Mark has mentioned this on his podcast too, that he's doing German translations of his book. And so he's been experimenting with what advertising works well for him. And even though he's been trying the Amazon ads, um, I think he's had access for a little while. And now just last week, as we're recording this, uh, Amazon has said, everybody's getting access to UK and German ads, but he's actually finding that Facebook ads are working best for him for targeting German market, German language. So if you haven't been playing with Facebook for other countries, that may be something <laughs> worth trying. Uh, at this point, I only have English stuff except for one book that uh, was done through a publisher. and <laughs> I never heard much about it again. I don't think it ever earned out. Um, but he also wanted to make a point with Amazon ads. And this was... I was glad to hear him say this because I suspected this and I've heard some myths <laughs> on some other shows that, um, so it is true. Everybody's saying this is true, that conversion plays a big role on whether Amazon is going to keep displaying your ads in prominent positions. You can bid to the sky, but if people aren't clicking and buying the book, it's going to hurt you. And Amazon is going to say, well, this ad is not relevant. So we're going to stop showing it as much. Whereas if people, you know, see the ad, then they buy the book. Amazon's like, yeah, that one's successful. So we're going to go ahead and keep showing it. 
And, and that part is, everybody's saying that that's true, but there have been some rumors that Amazon looks at like all the sales beyond that in the series. And like, if you have 20 books and people go on and buy 20 books, they're going to be more likely to show your ad on book one. And I thought, I don't think Amazon's algorithm is that sophisticated. And I asked Mark and he said, you know, from the horse's mouth, from Amazon, you know, he'd asked that, no, they don't look at anything beyond the sale. Um, so if you're not getting sales, that could hurt you, but nothing beyond the sale is going to matter. And he said also, they don't look at the dwell time on the page or anything like that. That um, If you follow the indie community on Facebook, you see a lot of interesting hypotheses hypotheses come up, even there's, there's no data to back it up. So just be really, uh, you know, a little skeptical when you hear things that doesn't, they don't also point to, um, you know, examples. And it is a little hard with Amazon algorithms and things because they don't tell us a lot of this is uh, if you need somebody there specifically to tell you, which is always nice if you have an in or you need somebody like Dave Chesson or David Gogren that they've got like these teams of people testing and running enough tests that, uh, that they can actually get some somewhat reliable data. And one thing about Amazon, they, they sell other products outside of books. And so their algorithms are going to be matching those as well. So one shirt, they don't care if you go and buy five other shirts from that shirt maker, you know? And so I would assume that their ag- algorithm would be pretty much the same across the board. It, and it would be next to impossible too, because what if it's a year later, you know, <laughs> so they don't, you know, it would be really hard to measure something like that and keep track of it. Um, one other thing that he talked about, which was Amazon marketing group ads. And this is something that's not really targeted at authors, but targeted at really sort of high level people, maybe not necessarily publishers at all, but some authors have been using them. And these let you get these huge banner ads all over, all over in all these places where you can't reach with AMS ads. Like you've probably seen some big banners and things. Then you're like, where the heck, how can I get that? You know, that they'll have like a big picture and it's just taking up a huge amount of real estate. Um, so these are called uh, Amazon marketing group ads, but it's a huge amount of money is required to be spent to even get into the program. Uh, Mark said uh, 40000 a month. Um, and I actually had a chance to ask the Amazon ad guy that was there. And he said, no, it's, it was like 10000 with a commitment to three campaigns. So it's still going to be pretty high. Especially, I'm not sure if that was a monthly or just eventually. <laughs> um, but this is something Mark is doing. And he's running his ads. He's got like a three-book box set of his Milton series um, for $7.99. And he's running a lot of his ads to that. And if you look it up on Amazon, you'll see he's got like 1,700 reviews. Um, on the dot com store, I don't, I'm not didn't look at the UK store, but he's you know he's definitely finding it successful in his genre of thrillers. He did show us the CTRs and stuff, and it was super low compared to a lot of the other ads he's doing. Uh, so he was spending a lot, but you know, and getting I think it was like a 0.02% CTR because uh, Amazon's basically just blanketing anybody that maybe likes thrillers with uh, with these ads. But since he does have like a, a 17 book series, uh, he's still coming out ahead. So if you know if you're in a big enough niche genre where it could make sense, like there's such a big readership potential, and you have the money, you know, is something 
certainly you could play with. Um, I'm a little skeptical that this might work well in smaller markets. Like I, I heard through the grapevine of some people who had done it like in space opera and, you know, I was kind of watching probably at the time and, you know, you'd see their books suddenly that had fallen out of the top 100, jump back up into the top 20 or something. But knowing now what I know, I'm like, hmm, if they had to spend 10000 for that, I'm not sure. Like to me, I could get higher with a new release, you know, which is not everybody's just going to write a new book. And, uh, but I, I would probably pick that over spending thirty or 40000 on ads. So that, that's just my take, though, and I will certainly be paying attention in the future. And if at some point it seems like you know, something that I could try, I might give it a shot. That'd be more than I've spent in a year in ads. So, um, and I feel like I'm spending a lot already on ads this year. But yeah, I, I will be keeping my eye on it, and I was glad to have him inform us about it just as a, another option. And I'll just quickly mention the pros and cons he gave. The pros were that uh, you could, you know, it's an enormous scale and you got ad placement that wasn't available anywhere else. And it allowed retargeting, which as we said before, is something that probably is more Facebook-y, but uh, so I'd be curious how that worked. It also had some off Amazon display. So like if you're on other sites and see Amazon ads, that, that could be one of those ads. And you got like a weekly strategy call, which, uh, to you extroverts out there, you're like, ooh, that sounds very excited. Whereas I went to the Amazon Media Group's page and was like, what? I have to call. I can't just sign up online. Eh, I'm not doing this right now. <laughs> uh, but really detailed reports also were one of the pros. And then assistance with setting up an Amazon store in A+. So that is kind of when, if you've seen some of those websites out there that the book has like all these extra images and things before you get down to the reviews, that I think that's the A+. It sounds like a bit of a hassle, but, um, and I don't know, I've asked somebody just recently that uh, was using it and I said, well, do your books convert more? Are you selling more books with all that stuff on there? And it was sort of like, uh, he seemed not too sure if it was actually helpful. It looks kind of cool though. Uh, and, and four cons that he mentioned, obviously, is that they're super expensive with that, um, like I said, at least 10000 for three campaigns. Uh, and then Mark thought it was more like 40000 a month. Maybe that's kind of just what's getting sucked out of his wallet for uh, the th big thriller space. And then there's no extra like visibility in KU. So it's, you're just trying to sell books, which can help you, you know, get higher in the rankings and, and get more KU stuff. But it's not like you still can't target KU specifically. And uh, he said the reports occasionally don't match what shows up in your KDP dashboard. And he also found that there's pretty big variations in effectiveness depending on the geographic area. All right. That was my big list. My takeaways from his talk. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. This one right there, that was one that I'd wish I'd been able to attend the, the conference for. Um, you know, if I could just adopt my kids out for a few weeks every month, <laughs> it would be a lot easier. Um, okay, you so, were going to say that you wanted to like adopt them out to like work so that you could afford <laughs> to get the Amazon media group ads. They're going to go, you got salt mines in, in Salt Lake City, right? <laughs> no, I actually have had a couple of readers request because my, my six-year-old likes to write books now because her mommy writes books. I've had readers request that she start writing and they'll buy them. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. No, she's only six. I don't need to be like, here, get to work. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to go ahead and talk about his next one. And I, was, um, I wasn't entirely sure. He called it Advertising 2, or it was like basically the second um, presentation on advertising. Um, so what exactly was this presentation about? 
this one was basically like uh, you could almost call the the first one like he was talking about the the basic tactics and then this one was more of a deep dive into how to apply the lessons that we learned in the previous one and whereas the previous one talked almost exclusively about amazon this one talked a lot more about facebook and bookbub so other than that like it is essentially the second half of a very long uh, uh presentation as opposed to an entirely separate one okay that makes sense uh, okay so joe go ahead and tell us about the cold warm and hot approach and how it works with facebook ads Okay, so uh, as before, the cold section is people who don't know who we are. Uh, on Facebook, this, uh, we have some more options at the cold level because we can target uh, comparable authors and include behaviors and interests. Whereas on Amazon, we basically are stuck just trying to find, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're targeting genre here. We can target around everything that somebody does on Facebook. So it's a really good place for when you're, you're pulling in people at the cold level. Uh, also, because it's Facebook, uh, if you have a mailing list, your cold level starts off a lot warmer than otherwise because you can build lookalike audiences from other things. So like you have a mailing list, you can build a lookalike uh, audience from the mailing list. And that basically starts all those people off at warm. Uh, and you can then look at the way they behaved and target your cold level stuff to that audience and it should get them to warm a lot faster. And that inf information can also be pulled from Facebook pixels from your website. And Facebook pixels, by the way, it was brought up are on more than just your website. Like I think books to read lets you do Facebook pixels. And I think uh, book funnel lets you do Facebook pixels. So you have a lot of sources uh, for information to help uh, sharpen up that audience quickly. Uh, and also uh, when you're on Facebook at the cold level, again, because you're not, you're not necessarily trying to sell books to people at the cold level. You're just trying to make them more aware of you. You can, instead of focusing on sales, you can focus on engagement. So, when you're, uh, in, instead of just, just, you can just ask for comments or ask for likes or show people things that are interesting. And then that will, number one, make that ad a lot more interesting to future viewers. Number two, it gives you more audience that has interacted with you that you can then sort of cater your stuff toward. Number three, it makes your brand look stronger. And number four, he talks a little bit about how you can, through some chicanery, uh, take an ad that you've built up a social proof like that on and then just sort of scoop it down to the warm level. Like t take something you've built up at the cold level and take it down to the warm level to target more towards sales or vice versa. Take something that was very inter interacted with at the warm level and then push it up to the cold level to try to pull people in. And that's basically just fiddling with settings behind, behind the scenes. Uh, and then uh, at the hot level, you're not necessarily going to be looking at buyers at this point. It could also be people that you've captured enough interest to become like Facebook fans. So uh, there's other targets you might have if you're doing Facebook advertising because a Facebook fan page, people who are on your Facebook fan page are much, you know, they're much more accessible to you. So sometimes you want to do a full ad campaign just targeting uh, uh, building a fan base on a mailing list over necessarily just trying to sell books. And... Uh, when you do that, when you put together your, your list, your, like your hot list of, uh, of Facebook people, you can almost treat it as like a second newsletter because if you send out your, your email uh, and then retarget ads to the people who, who didn't open the email, it's like an augmenting your, 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 uh, your reader list. So he really sliced and diced very finely to get uh, uh, use out of the Facebook version of this method. That's awesome. And guess what I just realized I forgot to do? What's that? Joe. Would you give us uh, what stood out to you most about the last presentation and this presentation? <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, for the last presentation, uh, one of the points that, that uh, um, on the Amazon Media Group that was interesting, 
uh, I talked to a couple people about it. It was one of those things where a lot of the people there were hearing about it for the first time. So anybody who had any sort of experience about it had some thoughts that they could add in. And uh, one of them was like, again, that 0.02% click-through rate, which is, you know, sounds horribly pitiful. Somebody pointed out that there is an enormous pool of people that are inaccessible uh, to any other form of advertising that this advertising reaches. So whereas that is a tiny click-through rate, even if you ignore the volume, the people who are coming through in that click-through rate are, are almost 100% people you wouldn't have been able to get through other advertising. So that was another sort of weird pseudo-pro that you could have with that. But also what stood out to me, uh, and this sort of goes for, for both sections here, is that uh, the tremendous value that you get out of keeping really precise results, uh, and not just on your sales, because click-through, I mean, that read-through rate is, again, essential to finding out how much you can actually uh, afford to spend per click but also just uh, uh, you know keeping good stats on the sort of behaviors of your of your audience so that you can do the retargeting uh, effectively. So those were two really big takeaways that I had. Awesome. And Lindsay, what about you? How, um, what did you take away most from his second presentation? Uh, took a couple notes that stuck out to me. Uh, one was that he kind of confirmed something I noticed myself was that interest ads on Facebook are getting more difficult to, you know, to find because they're phasing some things out. So I've noticed, man, it's really hard to like find those sci-fi authors anymore that actually come up, you know, you're like maybe two come up that used to be 10 came up and it was always hard to target indies, but usually like a lot of the more mainstream or older, I don't know, golden age of like sci-fi authors you could find on there and target them. And it just seems that they are, it, he confirmed that they're kind of phasing stuff out. So it can be a little hard if you're trying to target like, you know, as a urban fantasy person, you want to target Patricia Briggs and Ilana Andrews and Kevin Hearn. I mean, those guys might still be on there, but some other people that you had on your list might not be anymore. But, um, you know, he's saying you can still get really granular with the demographics on Facebook and find a target audience more so than other platforms where you're just kind of basing it on, they like this author, you know, they've purchased books by this author. So I'm going to target them on Facebook. You can still like pick the age range, pick the you know, male, female, uh, and I don't know if you can pick undecided or, or both, but uh, you can at least do male and female on Facebook, uh, you know, and that can be, if you really have done surveys and stuff and know who your average reader is and you have like a, a typical reader, that can be really useful, like, because then you're just not wasting money showing it to other people. And um, I need to do more with this retargeting and the Facebook pixel and I throw it on my book funnel. And uh, like <laughs> Joe was saying, places that you hadn't known that you could put it. I, I'm, I fully admit I'm weak on Facebook ads. Like I feel like I was able to pick up Amazon ads more quickly. I'm still not amazing on there. And, you know, BookBub ads too are a little, are pretty easy. Facebook, there's like a it's a pretty big, <laughs> it's like, it's going to take you some time to go into the ad manager and, and figure everything out. So I, I often revert to like boosted posts, which everybody's like, no, don't do those. Those are horrible, <laughs> but they're easy. Yeah. They're um, not that bad anymore. I mean, they've changed over the last couple of years now where boosted posts, you can actually get them beat to be just as effective as a regular ad campaign. Uh, it just depends on how good you are at targeting and things like that. Yeah, I feel like if they click on the picture on the boosted post, it takes them to just like a bigger picture or something instead of like going right to Amazon, which you can do with a ad ad. Um, but I usually just put the 
links and I don't know. The one thing I like about the boosted posts is you have so much social proof in the comments, whereas you, your ad might get some of that, you know, <laughs> eventually, but you, you, I don't know about you guys, but there's always like a whole bunch of dumb comments in the ads. I, I delete some of them. <laughs> yeah, no, like, um, is this available? Let's see. Oh, what was the stupid ones I've had? Um, why isn't this available on, I can't even remember something else. And I was like, it is, you just actually have to go and look, you know, just really, really random comments. And then also, why does that person look like such and such actress? Do you have permission to use that picture? <laughs> it's a stock photo. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just gotten a lot that aren't even like, they're like, I don't care. I'm like, well, guess what? You clicked on it and wrote that. So now you're going to see a whole lot more ads because you told Facebook you're interested in ads. So good job, buddy. <laughs> um, last one I want to mention is that he said Facebook automated ads are getting better. And I haven't tried any of those yet, I've, but I have seen the Amazon ones actually do a pretty good job. The challenge is just getting it to spend enough and, and show enough impressions. Like they're very precise and you can go in and mine the keywords out of what they were using and what worked. And you might be able to use those on your other campaigns. So um, I'll, be, I'll have to take a look at Facebook. I'd be happy if Facebook got to the point where you could, they were just like, yeah, I can see you're trying to sell a fantasy book here and we know exactly who to show that to and we're going to show it and you pay us your 5000 a month or whatever it ends up being. I don't know. Um, but Joe, did you, you had a couple more, I think? Yeah, some of the stuff that I thought was interesting about this one, uh, and you know, we're going to talk more about BookBub later, but uh, there's like some pretty major differences in the pros and cons for different platforms. Like, Facebook, for all of its flexibility, it still has a difficulty where you're presenting your ads to an audience that isn't necessarily all readers. Whereas, you know, you're, 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 you're fighting to get people to actually first care about books. And then the other problem is that then you have to get them to actually go to the page where they can buy it. Whereas obviously Amazon ads, they're already on the page. Uh, and whereas BookBub, uh, uh, you know, they're all readers. Uh, but you have the problem where, again, you have to get them to the page. And also, the BookBub ads are a little bit tucked away for most people's points of view. Like, they're below the fold in every email. So everything has its own its own separate stuff like that that makes it a little bit difficult. And on one hand, it's unfortunate because it means there's no silver bullet that's just going to solve your advertising woes. Like, just do this one and don't worry about the rest. But on the other hand, it means that all of these can sort of support each other because they're going to target different types of audiences and also, you know, uh, cater toward different techniques and methods. So that was sort of, you know, good and bad to me. Yeah, I love Facebook ads. I feel I'm kind of the opposite of Lindsay. I haven't mastered Amazon or BookBub ads yet. Um, but Facebook ads, I didn't know that they were the hard ones. <laughs> it's just because Mark Dawson was doing them but you know, several years ago. So I was like, I'm going to try Facebook ads. So those ones work really well for me. I really need to branch into BookBub and stop making my husband do my Amazon ads for me. <laughs> um, okay, let's go ahead and go on to David Gogren's turbocharging your series sales on Amazon. Um, he talks about a winning strategy in Kindle Unlimited. What was he referring to and how can it help our listeners? Lindsay, you want to answer that one? Yeah, I think Joe did. Did you not go to this one? It looks like it's all me down in the... Oh, maybe you're there. You are at the end. <laughs> okay. I got some notes, but toward the end, you like your your points were very well uh, put together. So I didn't feel okay. like I had much to, to add. All right. So David's talk was basically, um, 
I wasn't sure what I was expecting when I sat down, but he was sort of aiming at people, not necessarily launching a new series, but like maybe you're on book six and by now it's been a year or two since the other ones came out. So you're trying to get some momentum going again. And um, he had strategies both for KU and and wide people, but he was talking about, you know, what what I always do is just uh, whenever I have a new book out, I like advertise book one. You know, I try to drop the price or get a a deal from um, whatever sponsorship sites I can, you know, run some ads. Uh, He was kind of talking about maybe being a little more aggressive and dropping the price on um, middle books in the series too. Like if you're in KU, KDP Select, you can do countdown deals. So you're still, like if you drop the price from $4.99 to $2.99 or even 99 cents, you'll still get that 70%, you know, if you do it within that five days or whatever you've got. And um, so, and then what he, the goal was to like have a bunch of books in your series all like pushed up to the top of like the top 20 in your subcategory. Just, it's kind of a social proof, like, wow, you know, somebody sees this author and they've got five books in the top 20 for epic fantasy. I got to check them out. And again, if you, you know, do a big push and you make enough sales, you're going to kind of get back into where Amazon, you're getting some organic sales too from people who are just seeing you uh, in those series lists or in other authors also bots. So I'll just read through. He had some, like how to set up something. Uh, whether it's a push for a new release or just a sale, like you're trying to just boost, you know, sales are down and you're trying to give your series a boost. Uh, So like I said, he said, uh, first off, be prepared to be aggressive on price. Like he, maybe you make book one free and two 99 cents and three, you know, the third one 99 cents. And then the next one, 299. And maybe these are books that are usually at 499. And uh, by running multiple discounts, like I said, it might help your books all get a boost instead of like, oh, there's just book one or there's just your new release out there. And you might, when you, you know, back this up with pushes from ads, uh, instead of just always adverts sending people to book one, which is what I've traditionally done, he was making the point that, uh, and this was one of my big takeaways from the conference, even though I haven't gotten to try it yet. You can send people to your series page, at least on Amazon. You know, I don't know if all the, I don't think the other retailers necessarily have series page yet, but, um, you know, check your series page. If you don't have one, email Amazon because you, you should. It should be a thing that automatically occurs. But I've noticed it can take a while. And with my last series, I did have to email them and say, like, hey, I got five books out. <laughs> Could I get a series page? But um, the point we, he had with that was that there's no ads as of now on the series page. So there's not going to be bleed away. Like you're not sending people, paying to send people to your book only to have them say like, oh, look at this book in the sponsored carousel. I'm going to check that out instead. And, and there's also the, uh, the button on there that gives people the option to like complete the series. Maybe they're missing the last two books and they didn't even know it. Or just like, hey, they're like, this series looks awesome. I'm just going to go ahead and buy them all at once because, you know, like if you've got a few on sale, like he was saying, it may help with impulse purchases. So he's basically saying, you know, drop the prices a lot, even on the middle books, and you're maybe losing money today. And the hope is that you get a bigger payoff tomorrow because you are getting up in the list and hopefully we'll get some organic sales. Uh, You know, he finished by saying big risks mean even bigger rewards. So the risk is, as Joe was saying, you won't reach escape velocity and you won't tickle the fancy of the algorithms to get organic love. And so you could have just lost money. But um, if you do sell enough, you might get a boost that lasts, you know, weeks or months before you kind of drop back down to where you were before. And hopefully also you've got a lot of new readers that have fallen in love with your work and have signed up for your mailing list. So that was kind of the sum of that. (laughs) 
That's awesome. That's a lot of really good information. And um, that's mostly geared towards Kindle Unlimited, um, which is awesome. But does he have advice for books that are wide? He did get it, give some examples. Uh, so when you're wide, obviously you don't get 70% on a 99 cent book because you don't have access to the countdown deals. Um, but which you, the, still this stuff can work and you can have the same kind of effect on the other site by selling more books. So it, you know, if you've ever gotten a book bub on Barnes and Noble, you know, you know that they last for a while, you get that kind of stickiness effect. So it may still be worth doing this. You just may not want to discount quite as drastically and drop out of the like 70% royalty. Although uh, on some of the other sites, like I know Kobo, I think it's 70% royalty on anything. Is that right, you guys? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> okay. They have not changed that. So it's sort of the same thing, you know, don't be afraid just to, I mean, don't get stuck just promoting the same book one, especially if you've already run three promos on that in the last year, you know, be, uh, you know, do a big promo and try to get people to pick up the whole series. Uh, and maybe also with the new release, maybe you want to release that at $2.99 instead of $4.99 as a reward to your loyal readers. Uh, you know, maybe do it during the pre-order and then raise the price. I'm actually thinking of doing this with my next one. <laughs> and then they see the new release at like $2.99 instead of $4.99. So like, oh, I'm going to buy that. And then maybe they realize, oh, well, I wasn't even caught up with that yet. So then they have to buy four and five at the same time. I mean, they don't have to, but <laughs> it's going to make sense. So by doing some of that stuff with the middle books, you might, you know, get a little more of a boost than the usual. Just like, here's the new release. And here's my e-reader news today ad on book one. Um, Joe, what were some of the things that you took away from this presentation? Um, there's a couple of like for the series ads things were huge. Um, uh, to the point where like, if, if you've never looked at your series page again, there's virtually no ads on it. Uh, but also the buy the entire series button, it keep, takes track of how many books the person already owns, but also it keeps track of, uh, like the actual current price of those books. So if you're running a promo on your entire series, it shows you how much the entire series costs with the promo with the promos included. So it really underscores the value of, uh, of, a uh, uh, you know, of, of the promo and like it, it motivates people. And I don't know if this is, uh, if, if this, this was in this presentation, but it, it certainly goes with the information that was in this presentation. Uh, basically when you, as Lindsay said, like you go back and you don't just discount the first book or you don't just promote the first book, you discount and promote the other books in it. Uh, if you discount and promote the first book and then the next book is full price, there's going to be a giant drop off of people who wanted the discounted book, but not the next one. But if it's like a staircase where the next book is also just a little bit more expensive than the first one, then people are more likely to buy that one too. And then if the next one's a little bit more expensive than that, like there's a lot less pain for people to just drop. It's not so much of a cliff when, when people are buying into the first one. Now, obviously if you're writing really good books, people are going to want to buy the other ones too. But, if you've discounted like a staircase, then they're going to be more likely to buy them right up front, especially if that staircase leads to a very low price for the overall uh, series at that time. Uh, and some of the other stuff were uh, like, if you're discounting every book in a, in a long series, uh, uh, the longer the series, the more flexibility you have. Like he was giving, he gave different levels of like, you know, here's a conservative one, here's an aggressive one. And like, if you have like a nine book series, you can, you can have a very fine gradient of discounts. Or he, he told an anecdote at one point, I think, where somebody just took an entire nine book series and made all of the books 99 cents. And, and again, the, all of them suddenly show up in like the top 50 of their genre. 
and everybody's like, oh, this guy's all over the place. And then suddenly that new release is a, is a, is a no brainer for the people involved. So there was a lot of really good information on like just treating your entire series as a single product that you can promote constantly. Yeah, that's really good information. Um, I, I've tried the latter thing, you know, the first book, second book, all of them being gradually more expensive. Um, but I, with my readers, I found that they expected me to continue that indefinitely. So they're like, am I going to be paying $6.99 and $8.99 for the last book? <laughs> so I, I, I shortened that a little bit so that it wasn't, you know, all the way up to about $3.99 or $4.99. And then the rest of the series was $3.99 or $4.99 or whatever. Um, Lindsay, would you like to give us uh, what stood out to you most about the presentation? All right. I've already given some good stuff, I think, but I, I did want to, you know, he just kind of went over some stuff that may seem basic to you, but I find I tend to forget some of this stuff. Uh, just remember when you're looking at somebody's sales rank and you're like, maybe you're wondering, oh, I got to get under 2000 to make this, this list on Amazon. Just a reminder that sales rank is representative of sales plus time with the most credit being for books sold in the last 24 hours, but then like half as much for books sold the day before. And then it kind of incrementally drops off. So like, uh, the sales ranking lists are all about recency, and um, but there is some like you. This is why when you see a book bub ad and suddenly a book shoots up there, there there's a lot of wait for like what happens in 24 hours. But it also, if there wasn't sort of an incremental increase, those books usually plummet back down again because there's also weight given to the history of a book. And uh, I don't think he said how far back it goes, but you know I wouldn't think more than a month. So, but still, you know, you that's why we talk about wanting to like when you do a new release or even a sale, try to step up sales, like have them start lower and then gradually, you know, finish with a bang if at all possible. And uh, just a reminder too, that Kindle borrows count one for one, as far as determining your sales ranking, a borrow is as good as a sale, as far as that goes. And um, he talked a little bit about the popularity list, which most of us don't pay much attention to it. It's, they're kind of hard to find. You have to like go clicking around and burrow down. But if you check it out, you'll find out that it's a different order of books on the, than is on the bestsellers list. The bestseller, bestsellers list takes price or no, the bestseller list ignores price. All it's going by is like unit sales. But the popularity list factors in price. So what you'll see is when you go find it is that the trad published stuff that's $9.99 but isn't selling, isn't as high up on the bestsellers list because it's not selling as many copies. That book may be number one on the popularity list because they are waiting in price. And that having 99 cent books can be a little bit of a hurt you on that list. Uh, and interesting, uh, he mentioned that it runs on a 30 day average and there's a four day delay. So even if your book's selling really well on Thursday, it might not be till like Monday that actually shows up on the popularity list. And uh, why this matters, because I think you're probably saying, well, I don't care about that. Nobody even sees this list. You have to go hunting for it on like page eight. Um, but this is actually what's used to power the recommendation engine, i.e. when readers get emails and, and things like that, you talk about Amazon selling stuff for you. And it, it even uh, goes out to people who are KU subscribers and, and mostly do KU books. So if you're doing really well on the popularity list, your book's more likely to get recommended to people in KU as well as people who just make purchases. So if you basically, if you want more page reads, it helps to make more sales. And uh, I think one of the reasons you will see so many 99 cent books in KU is that 
if they're able to sell like six times more than they could at $299, uh, the weighting factor might not matter that much as far as price. And they're still going to be in those popularity lists. Like as an example, um, I don't know, a few weeks ago I went and looked, I had that Heritage of Power box set for 99 cents uh, in KU. And it was like maybe 13 or 14 in the, I think, Epic Fantasy category. And then I went over to the popularity list and found the Epic Fantasy category. And it was back on like page five because, you know, being hurt by the 99 cent thing a little bit, but still in there. So basically the more sales you get, the more likely you're also going to get recommended to KU people. So worth uh, keeping that list in mind. Uh, just a couple other things that we talked about the series ads and he mentioned that you can use a Facebook carousel in conjunction with advertising your whole series to actually list like all the books in the series in the ad. And he said he'd gotten some uh, traction with that. I've never even tried a carousel ad. Have you guys played with that at all? No, and that 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 was one that that seemed like it'd be a lot of, fairly useful if you especially if a long series or a series where uh, you might have lots of side stuff that you can sort of tack onto the end of the carousel because I think there's up to ten entries in the carousel. I'll have to investigate myself. I'm curious how many people actually like ooh an ad for a whole bunch of books. Click click click, and you know, do they actually? I think if you had really amazing covers, that would probably help you big time there. Um, oh, the last little tidbit that was interesting to me, because I actually didn't know it, it makes perfect sense, but every, you know, if you buy a book on Amazon, Amazon always recommends that you purchase something else right at the same time. And that book that they recommend is always whatever book is in number one in the also bought for the book that you bought. So hopefully it's one of your other books. But if yeah, you that can was be, my question. <laughs> if you can be in somebody else's number one for their also bots, you can get recommended. So I've actually had one time I accidentally had uh, promoted someone on my Facebook ad because it was a uh, Epic Fantasy something, not Facebook ads, my Facebook page. I was just like, hey, this author has a, a book on sale for 99 cents and I, I read her and I think you might like her. And a week later, I was in her also bots in the number one slot and she got a book bub ad. And I was like, where did I get this huge spike from? And it was totally accidental, but you could try to plan that if you knew at the very least you can keep track of the book bub ads that come out each day and they're like, do, 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 you know, get in there and target that author and maybe hope you can get a little something from at least being on the sponsored posts. Even it, usually with the also bots, it takes a while. So you kind of have to know like, ah, oh, I heard Andrea is getting a book club ad next week. I will plug her to my readers and that will cause me to get my book linked to hers and the also bots. Yeah. So I accidentally got a big boost from that. And you know, if only you can easily replicate that. <laughs> That was last week. You missed that one. <laughs> the book bub feature. <laughs> Dang it. Joe, when's your next book bub ad coming out? <laughs> uh, I just had one too, but it was only. Ah, okay. So, okay. So just to reiterate that, just to make sure I'm, I'm understanding. So the number one book in the also bought spot is the book that somebody in the book that the person just bought purchased. That is the one that Amazon recommends. Right. So uh, if your book two is your number one also bought in your series, which is kind of typical unless somebody's been running ads or somebody's been targeting you, after they purchase book one, Amazon will say, hey, do you want to buy book two also? Because here it is. So Yeah, that's really powerful. So I mean, the way you get into that is by, you know, by what advertising and getting lots of downloads. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get into somebody else's guaranteed, you know, in this case it worked because I had enough readers that I sent to buy their book and they and they had of course bought all my books. So 
we were linked that way. Like I probably sold, I don't know, 20 or 30 copies for them the week before to get into that position. But then, and then a couple of days later after the BookBub ad had had its effect and the also bots have been updated. My book went to like the second page because, you know, if you've had a BookBub ad, usually it's all the other books that have recently been advertised on BookBub will all be the things in the also bots for a while. All right. Are you guys ready to move on to David Goggin's BookBub um, ads masterclass? I just have, yes. I just have one ahead. little thing here that I thought was interesting. I'm pretty sure it was David Goggin who said it in, in, in that section. Uh, the concept of defensive advertising. Uh, like there, he, he was talking, uh, yeah, it was because it was specifically to Amazon. Like when, when, uh, there's value in targeting yourself with an Amazon ad because it at least takes away one of those slots that can lead somebody away from your Amazon page. So he was talking a bit about targeting yourself just to keep people off your page a little bit. Mark said the same thing and he was talking about, it might've been him too. He was like how he, somebody targeted him that was in his class. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to bid him, you know, and then he went and targeted that guy and himself. So he, yeah. So <laughs> don't go after somebody with a really deep pockets, I guess. But I, yeah, I haven't paid attention to that and it's, it's probably something I should do for that reason. Yeah. On Amazon ads, that's one of the things that my husband was like, we need to be targeting you. We need to be targeting you. And I'm like, why? They're already there. And it's because Amazon puts ads for other people's books on your books if you don't target yourself. And so that's huge. That keeps them on the page instead of losing them. Okay. All right. So what sorts of tips did he have? Um, did David in his BookBub ads masterclass, did he have for picking an image and a tagline? Mine was really short, my notes, so I'll go first and then let Joe talk. But he just emphasized uh, for BookBub ads, you know, the you get 250 by 300, I think, is the pixel size. And don't try to cram a lot on there. Like, less is more. He'd, he just was giving examples. Like, he just did, like, one little tagline that maybe was really representative of, to attract your genre. And then, like, the price. Not this whole, like, yeah, five-star reviews, blah, blah, blah. And this is a space opera fantasy romance that you'll love. And <laughs> so he just found that less is more for those. Yeah, he, he uh, also talked a little bit, like, and, and I ended up buying his book about this. So some of the information that you're going to get here is, is, is mixed in with what was in the book. But um, whereas a lot of the other pages, like Facebook, you'll often hear, like, you should be putting, like, a stock photo as your image because that just tends to catch people's attention better. He found that on BookBub, your book cover is almost always the best, like, it's almost always the best image for your, for your ad uh, to the point where, like, he likes to put together uh, an ad where the cover is the most um, most interesting thing. The background isn't boring, so it's not like a flat color, but it's not more interesting than the cover. So, if you he, what he usually does is just zooms in on a part of the cover that's sort of the background portion of the of the cover. Uh, what you don't want to do, and I tried this once, is take like the most interesting part of your cover and make that the zoomed in background because it's very good at drawing the eye away from the cover, which you don't want to do. Uh, and also make the uh, the offer incredibly obvious. Like th this is an ad. You should be advertising something that you're making an offer on. So the price tag, he was talking about like making the price tag like 25% of the image. It should be very, very obvious. And he gave color recommendations specifically. He found that uh, black on yellow or white on red uh, tend to get the most clicks. And this is BookBub where BookBub has white on red as the purchase buttons in the, uh, or, you know, the, the click buttons in the, uh, the featured ad. So it makes sense that would work, but I was intrigued by the, the, uh, yellow on, uh, the black on yellow, which again, I've been testing a little bit of this and sure enough, it's way more effective. Even if it clashes with the color scheme of your ad, 
it, it, it seems to work better. So like there was some very specific advice he gave in that area. Okay. So when he says black on yellow or white on red, is that like a black background or sorry, a yellow background with black writing? Uh, yeah. So like if you would, like, let's say your book's 99 cents, like you would put uh, almost always in the upper left-hand corner for some reason, you would put just like a, a yellow box or a yellow like oval or a yellow rounded rectangle. Uh, and then in black on top of it, you know, 99 cents or free or whatever your your your, uh, your thing is. And likewise, if it was if it was white text on a red button, just you want to have a very obvious thing that like people are likely to actually click on with the mouse. Okay, so that's that's gonna work for probably another six months, and then everybody's gonna be doing it, and we're gonna be switching to another garish color. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay. Um, let's see, Lindsay, you already went. Um, okay. So next question. One of the tips he gives, um, involves which authors to target and which not to, would you sum that up? And Lindsay, if you'd like to go first on that one. Sure. And I will point out that I've definitely noticed when I've done the book bub ads that the real pretty one that I have my designers do, you know, I usually have them do like six and different texts and stuff to try out. Like the last run, I I'd had much better luck just using their generator. I was like, this is ugly. And uh, the click through rate went up, you know, so don't get too proud on like what it looks like. You may find that uh, when you do your testing that like Joe was saying that not as pretty aesthetically appealing one works better. Um, but so for targeting authors, for those of you who've tried BookBub, you know, you can go in and you can target by author and you can target by genre. And he said, do both, which makes sense because if you were, writing fantasy and targeting me, like my most recent stuff I've been doing is sci-fi. So you wouldn't want all of my readers. You just want fantasy. And um, he said it was good to target authors with up to 50,000 readers, not followers, but readers. Um, and you wanted to avoid the big name authors usually because for one thing with trad published authors are rarely on BookBub. It's, you know, indie authors a lot more often. So, and uh, some of, some of those big name authors, the people read them just because they're bestsellers, not because they're super fans of that genre necessarily. So if you find, you know, probably a good indie author that's moderately successful, that might be a good person to target. Um, he did say, and this was kind of like lit a light bulb for me. I think I mentioned it last week too, because it stuck out to me to uh, avoid authors who have a big disparity between their followers and their readers. Um, just to be clear, readers are anyone who's ever interacted with uh, that author. Like if they clicked on an ad, that went out to the Facebook for that author, or they interacted with their stuff on the uh, the BookBub website, the reviews and things like that. Whereas a follower, someone who went click, I want to get updates, you know, on this author when they have new releases and stuff. But like, if you look at me on there, I have, I think when I looked, I had about 13,000 followers and then, but like 93,000 readers. And he would consider that a big disparity. Like you probably want somebody that's got 13,000 followers and 25,000 readers. Because what, what it can suggest is that when there's a lot of readers, a lot of people have interacted with the ads but aren't necessarily following them on BookBub, that they're kind of the freebie seekers and that author's just kind of been around the BookBub ecosystem for a while and probably run a lot of books, a lot of freebies. And um, he didn't say dismiss them completely, but you might want to reserve those authors for when you're also promoting a freebie because uh, they probably have a lot of freebie lovers in their audience. Whereas if you're trying to sell a book, even if it's 99 cents, you want to target the authors who have a lot, have sold a lot of 99 cent books on, on BookBub. So apparently you should not be targeting me because that's all I've had like the last two years, I think is free box sets uh, on BookBub. So I'm, I guess I have all the freebie seekers on there. That's it for uh, me on that, I think. 
All right, Joe, you would like, would you like to go? Sure. Uh, he emphasizes uh, that uh, the list of authors you're going to be using to target on BookBub is not, uh, it's not necessarily going to be the same as what you're using to target elsewhere because BookBub is a fairly unique uh, uh, platform and, and ecosystem. So like, like Lindsay said, uh, traditional authors might have virtually no real strong following on, on BookBub because they almost, some of those authors have never had a featured ad and have never run ads on BookBub. Whereas indie authors might have a pretty strong following there and end up being way more uh, effective to target. But he also talked about how you're looking for uh, uh, people with a range of followers that's large enough to be worthwhile, but not so huge that you're bidding super high. Like there are going to be people who have like a good, a good, uh, uh, you know, reader to follower ratio, but if they have over say 20,000 or 30,000 uh, uh, followers, people are going to be bidding super high to get those, to get those people because it's a huge, it's a, you know, it's a huge audience to pull from. And, uh, you know, even though you end up usually, and he talks a bit about how, you know, this is CPM stuff. He almost always targets CPM. Uh, so you're paying for thousand, uh, you know, uh, interactions or whatever. Uh, it, so it almost, almost always ends up being cheaper for clicks. Uh, if you're going after somebody who has a gigantic uh, readership that people are all going for, they're all going to be bidding higher too. So it's going to end up being more expensive. So you're, as Lindsay also said, sort of aiming for mid-level on all of that stuff. And he actually, in the book, he gives like the ranges that he targets for. But he also talks about how uh, you can, when you're finally running these ads, you can gather together a bunch of the authors. So if you end up gathering together, you know, 10 people who have a thousand, that's the equivalent of gathering together one who has 10,000. So there's ways to get around and, and find good levels uh, to put the other good ads, even on a budget. That's really good. Really good advice. Um, I, I liked that he did, they emphasize, you know, if somebody's active on BookBub, you know, somebody who actually cares about BookBub and they encourage their followers, you know, keep readers to go and follow them, then those are the ones that are going to get better results on BookBub. Okay, so Lindsay, what stood out to you most about this presentation? Okay, a couple notes I took away. And just to clarify, because I, I had this in my notes too, he recommend the CPM ads. So you're paying for 1,000 impressions whether you get a click or not in those 1,000 impressions. But that's uh, dependent on you being able to get a decent click-through ratio because if you're not getting a decent click-through ratio, you might be paying three bucks for a click if you do the CPM thing. So he really wanted to see like over 2%, which I find difficult to get from, <laughs> when I, you know, I've had it like in one genre. I, I had really good luck when I had the pen name doing sci-fi romance. And I feel like that, that audience is not served by book by bats. There's a paranormal romance genre. There's a sci-fi genre. There's not a sci-fi romance genre that they can sign up for. So they seemed, um, hungry for that and it's easier to get the higher click-through rates but I, I'm gonna keep trying you know every time I do a new release or something I, I hope I'll get a little better at the book pub ads uh, one thing he suggested which I'll take note of for my next time I do a run with them is to break out the US and the UK from the rest of the world when you're trying to actually get traffic to the smaller countries and, and stores. Because uh, one of the nice things about BookBub ads is you can target like Apple Australia, I think. I mean, I haven't tried that one, but you know, like the, the smaller stores. Uh, but if you have it all together in the same campaign, the US and UK, because the audience are so much larger, will just eat up all the campaign's budget right away. So you might want to do, you know, here's the US one, here's the UK one, and then put your international, the other stores uh, together in a, another campaign. 
and uh, also, and I'm so lazy about this, I need to do this for the next time, but when you're doing like UK, you shouldn't use a dollar sign. <laughs> you, know, you should use the currency sign, uh, you know, and you know, whatever you're charging for the book that's uh, relevant to that country, you're going to see like more engagement. They're like, oh, this is for me. Um, and something else that I, I've kind of messed up in the past, which I'll pay a little more attention to the next time I do this, is he recommend that when you're testing authors, do it uh, individually or in small batches at first and just maybe do small tests, maybe $15, enough to get at least a thousand impressions to see if uh, your click-through rate's decent. And um, also bid high on the test so that your ads serve quickly and you get a real feel for how that author works for you. Then after you've done this little test, group together the winners into one campaign and that's where you, you know, drop however many hundreds or whatever you're going to spend on this. And that will keep your ads from showing repeatedly to people who may like multiple authors that, that you're targeting. And I think last time I ended up showing my ad to so many people so many times because I was like, oh, this week I'm targeting Chris Fox and over here I'm going to target Richard Fox, you know, like going through all the space off of people and setting up different campaigns with only a couple people. So next time I will know better and try to do it correctly because uh, BookBub naturally will only, I think they'll show your ad four times to a, a person and then they knock it off for that campaign until you start a new campaign because obviously your ads are going to be less effective if you're showing it 20 times to the same person they're like I didn't want it this time and I still don't want it so uh, those are kind of my notes there that's awesome um, Joe what about you what stood out to you most um, so there was a lot of stuff in us I liked it was it was like I have done very little advertising in the past and so this was it feels very, uh, especially Facebook ads, it feels like there's so many levers that you can flip and switches and dials and turn that you can turn that it felt very difficult. It always felt very difficult to me to sort of get an idea of what I'm doing is actually helping. Uh, this was very systemat systematic the way he was doing it. You find comparable authors and, and you know, you test them with small budgets and high bids and you tweak your images and you test the authors until you get a good click-through rate. And the click-through rate is like, you know, it's going to be 2%. You know, if it, it's a silver author, it's between one and two. And if it's above two, then it's a gold author. Then, you know, uh, you break things down into single variables and the tests are super fast. So it really felt like manageable to me uh, to get a level of expertise at. And it, as a result, I've been, that's what I've been testing for two weeks is sort of messing with this. Uh, I picked up his book to learn a little bit more in that regard. And uh, he also talked about this, what I thought was an interesting thing that he pointed out in this is that very shortly, like very fairly recently, uh, BookBub has added uh, individual author uh, analytics to your, your, your aggregate stats. So when you run an ad, uh, you can, after it's gotten enough impressions and enough clicks, you can see which of the authors are performing and which ones aren't. And you can edit the ad as it's live. So if you find that you're sort of, you've got an author that you're targeting that's getting a terrible click-through rate, you can remove it from the running ad. Uh, just, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't working this time. So well, let's take it out. And also, well, I don't have it in my note here, but it's a, a point that is interesting to me. He likes to micromanage uh, the budget himself. Like instead of saying spread this out across the entire thing, he always leaves the, 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 uh, the setting to try to spend the money as fast as possible. And then if he wants the ad to continue, then he adds 15, 20, $25, however much is appropriate based upon what he's bidding so that he can sort of turn on the floodgates uh, and, and control the flow for whatever is necessary for his current, current uh, uh, situation. And 
this ties back into where he talks about trying to keep your sales even because that helps with your ranks on like Amazon and stuff. If you're micromanaging your budget and things, then you can sort of bolster a day that might have been lagging uh, through other promotional tactics. So that was all interesting to me. Yeah, that's, I like that to spend the money as fast as possible. I think that's a really good point. Cause then you, I mean, I think it, if it does really well, then you can add, you know, increase your spend on that. Right. Yep. Okay. So I know he talked about the seven killer tips. Um, Lindsay, I think you actually had some notes on that. Would you talk a little bit about what those killer tips were? Sure. We'll give a couple of them. I, I don't want to get uh, in trouble because we gave away the entire Nink conference, which that's not true because Joe and I only went to like a handful of the presentations out of everything that was there. But uh, all right. So a couple of his tips were, uh, we are, I already actually mentioned this, just mind the reader slash follower gap. Uh, you know, be, be wary of those authors that have way more uh, readers than followers because like I said, they may be the freebie seekers. Um, if you're on a budget, you may get less expensive clicks on the weekends uh, because any traditional published people working in that realm, they go home on Friday, they come back on Monday, so they may just turn off um, the campaign so that they don't risk spending $400 on accident over the weekend. Um, and then this was a, Joe was just kind of talking about that, but if you're using BookBub ads as part of a launch, you might want to hold some money back for the end. Um, and if the launch isn't going as well as you planned, BookBub is the easiest to scale up and dump a lot of money in quickly. Um, you're going to want to have already done your testing and stuff at this point, and you kind of know who the authors are that are convert that will convert for you. But um, I did think that was a good point that with like Facebook ads and Amazon ads, it can be, you have to wait for them longer to get approved, you know, and it can be a little harder to scale up, but they'll pretty much take your money. Like, yep, we'll, we'll show those ads right now. <laughs> and I don't think there's a, really an approval process. I got to think about it. The last time I did it, it was pretty quick. They just started yeah, they start showing yeah. pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, the, one last thing he mentioned that was interesting is that you don't actually have to send people like your Amazon page or your Apple page. You can, like if you're selling direct on your website, you can send your book pub traffic to your own website. You can't do like require a mailing list sign up to get the book. But if you just, the book's for sale, like you've made a store on your site, that's totally fine. And uh, he mentioned that he just did this big group promo with a bunch of authors on writing, with writing books a couple months ago. And um, he sent his BookBub ads traffic directly to that page, which had like 12 books for sale. And that uh, that means, you know, you're not getting the leakage like with the Amazon ads that are showing up on your pages there. And uh, if you're doing it on your own site, obviously with a direct sale, you're going to be making more. You're probably making closer to, you know, above 90% if you're selling direct. Or if you're doing like what he was doing, he had affiliate links because you are allowed to use Amazon affiliate links on your website. So he was sort of paying for the BookBub ads with what he was making with the affiliate income for that particular promo. And, and that was all fine. So a, you don't have to just advertise to a page on a store. That's good. Yeah. And Joe, did you have any, any additional thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, there was one like kind of small one that I thought was super interesting. And that was uh, targeting yourself, like Putting ad, targeting yourself with BookBub ads when you have another thing going on with BookBub. So like if you've got one of those free new release ads, if you time it such that you've got a campaign targeting yourself at the same time, now you've got your new release as the main body of the thing, and then there's an ad underneath it for, say, the rest of the series. Uh, or likewise, just 
throw something on into the, the, if you have a featured ad, if you're also running, targeting yourself on the featured ad, then you can sort of double your impact by having something else uh, either in the same series or as a separate series showing up in the same email where people were finding out about your big deal. So I liked the idea of sort of almost making a dedicated like uh, uh, um, combo of yourself by targeting yourself with BookBub. Nice. I like that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want to lose that traffic. And like you were saying, like if you have a, a new release or whatever, you know, hit them extra hard from all, every single angle, you know, the spaghetti on the wall, see what sticks and then keep as much of the traffic as you can. Um, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up if that's all right with the two of you. Um, I'm not sure how long we've been going, maybe two, three hours by now. <laughs> Just kidding. There is a lot of information in this in this episode. So uh, listen to it a couple of times if you need to, just to make sure you're getting, uh, letting it sink in. Um, but we're going to go ahead and, and talk about basically the takeaways that we have from these presentations. And I'll go ahead and go first on that. Um, I'm going to be focusing more on BookBub ads, definitely, um, especially with this launch, though. I probably should have done a little bit more testing <laughs> leading up to this week since my big launch is tomorrow. And we're recording this on Monday the 14th, so yesterday for those of you who listen when it goes live. Um, and then I'm also, I hadn't actually heard about that whole engagement on Facebook. I didn't know you could target for engagement. Uh, I usually just use Facebook to build my newsletter list and then to do sales, you know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into uh, learning about that and see if I can get that to work well for me. Because I have noticed that ads that have the most engagement on them do perform better than others. Um, what were your, your, the two of you, the things that you took away the most from these presentations? Like basically, what are you going to, what are you going to move forward with now? Because like we just said, this is a lot of information, but what's going to be something that you're going to start implementing soon? Um, in my case, uh, I went and bought David Gogren's book, uh, for, uh, bookbub ads and have been testing bookbub ads and starting to make some progress. I have at least one test where I got 2.77% click through rate. So I'm starting to find, you know, to find the settings. Uh, so that's, that's one of the big things. Uh, also there was a lot of tiny things and I don't know, I don't have the notes on this, but there's a lot of tiny things like uh, uh, book funnel had a big section and it's basically just, if you use book funnel and if you don't start using book funnel, uh, go over to the left hand side of, of book funnels page. When you, when you look at your, your, you know, user thing, there's a lot of features that, that are there that you might not have noticed. Book funnel has started delivering audio files up to two hours long. So you can do, you know, basically direct sale of, of little serialized audiobooks and stuff like that. And I think, I don't know if it's active yet, but uh, Books to Read is starting to add audiobooks to their universal links. So like there's lots of little things you can go through and, uh, and just tick a couple boxes and just get a little bit more bang for the buck out of stuff you've already been doing. So that's, that's sort of my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I, I have a, you know, my notes weren't as extensive as Joe's, but I think I still had like 4,000 words that I typed up on my iPhone while I was in there. And I think I often do that at conferences and then never look at the notes again. I think it will go back this time and look, especially the next time I launch a series. There were definitely, you know, there were some things with the keywords from David Chesson's, Dave Chesson's talk. Um, I think the one thing that I will probably remember the most and try to use going forward is um, David Gogren's tip about the series page. Because I have honestly I've never like pointed anybody to my series page, which it makes a lot of sense with the fact that they can buy all the books at once. And if you're doing a discount of several, that will look very appealing to them on there. 
So, and the fact that there's not other people's ads on your series page right now, I thought, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You know, it's really hard to tell. Like you send people to a book, you hope they buy it. But if, especially if it's a book one and they don't know you yet, like I figure if I release book six in my new series, probably my readers are going to go buy it and not be distracted by some other ads on the page. But, you know, when you're just trying to get new people in who don't really know you that well yet, uh, those ads could definitely uh, lure them away. Uh, my best performing ads are on the, you know, the books that have like horrible covers and <laughs> bad blurbs and stuff. Hopefully those aren't mine, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's a real thing. People being lured away uh, by other people's ads. And um, so I will be using that series page. Um, I have other stuff in my notes. I, like I said, every time I going to do a launch, I'll try Facebook ads again, BookBub ads again, Amazon ads, and try to do a little more right each time. You know, we should point out, as we said last week, if some of this was just like too much for you and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to know all this stuff. I have to do all the things. You know, I'm still learning a little bit each time with each launch. I still consider myself pretty poor overall with uh, all the pay-per-click ads and that stuff. Um, I'm definitely stronger on the building using my writing to attract readers who are like me, you know, giving away free books, uh, interacting with people on my Facebook page and stuff like that to um, kind of draw my readers together and create a community. But um, so, yeah, that's, you know, focus on whatever is really appealing to you. I think right now probably it's a good idea to learn a little bit about the ads going forward, but you can just focus on like learn one platform real well. That was something several of these guys said too, like whatever, don't try to do it all at once with your first launch of 2020 or whatever. Just um, focus on whichever one you're kind of naturally seem inclined to. And then later you can learn a little more, you know, for the next launch. It's, yeah, if you think of it as your career, there's always going to be new things, things to learn, but you don't have to learn every single thing to be successful. Yeah, and a quick note about the series pages, what's really good about that is Amazon does um, discount or, you know, pull out from the total. What So if they've bought books one through three already, Amazon will show them the price for books three through six. They don't show them the price for all six books. And so if your readers have already purchased a bunch of the books in the series, you can still target them and target people who have purchased books because Amazon adjusts that accordingly, which is pretty awesome. What I need to check though is if you can do series page in the other Amazon stores, because I don't know, like if I can go in the UK store and set that up, maybe if I email them through, do they have a, I think there's a UK author central. I don't know. I'll have to check it out right now. I just know of the series page in the US store. And, and Smashwords does series pages. And I know that they put those together because some of the retailers they distribute to also do series pages. So we would need to, you know, see which of those stores actually do series pages because if you want to target all of them, you know, that would be a good choice moving forward. Definitely. Okay. I, oh, I was going to say, I have a, you know, next year I'll be re releasing some of my stuff that's in KU now into the other stores. So I'll, I'll take a closer look then. I definitely want to, I was, you know, Dave Chesson pointed out how easy it is right now still on Kobo to like rank with keywords just by putting them in your subtitle or title. So uh, that's not something I usually, cause I always like, I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm just going to upload the book, but you know, if it can give you a little slight edge and get you a few more readers, yeah, I think it's worth throwing in, not stuffing, but going like, Hey, this is an epic fantasy, you know, or space opera romance or, or whatever in as part of your subtitle, as long as the stores continue to allow it. Um, on Amazon, it's, you're supposed to not put subtitles that um, are not on your book cover. 
So, but they rarely crack down on it. If they do, I guess you can just go add it <laughs> to your cover at the bottom. Do a space opera romance with uh, all the, the keywords now. <laughs> so that'll be for another show. All right, that's it for me. Thanks for letting me blab. <laughs> um, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to add or are we good to wrap up? I think we're good to wrap up. This was a, this was a dense one. Yeah. All right, everyone, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'd like to thank Joshua Pearson for helping us produce the show and Stephanie Nealon for putting the show notes together. And please hop on over to iTunes or any of the, of the places where you download podcasts and leave us a review. Also, we'll be doing future Q&A episodes. So if you have a question for us or if you have a comment, then go to our website. That's sixfigureauthors.com. Six is the number six. And leave that there. And we would absolutely love to hear from you. And we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody.